Hello, Dwayne Brummett here with Ali Alberigo, schoolunderattack.com. Ali, good morning, sir. Almost good morning to you. To you but good morning. Yeah, yeah, almost afternoon, right? Technically 11.55 for us. But uh, cool, man. Sorry again to the listeners about a little bit of snags with uh, the Internet. And um, we were talking about uh, imagine if the Internet just shut down. Like what the heck would happen to people, right? Like it would be we, – our lives would really be in turmoil. Yeah, right? I saw a post this morning. Uh, somebody was talking about uh, canning and preserving and stuff, and they said they should teach this in school. And I wanted to get on the post and say, nah, the government doesn't want you to know how to do that because they want yeah. you to be dependent. <laughs> well, it's true, though. You know, it's funny that you say that, but I think there are some laws that have either been proposed or are now on the books in certain states that you can't do a few things. Number one, you can't store your own water. Like, you can't have a cistern and take your drains and, and put it into stuff. You can't stream your water out of a stream without permission from the government. Like, if you have a stream in your backyard, a freshwater lake or whatever, you can't take your water from there. And there was a, wow. something about prepping. You're only allowed to take in a certain amount of and hold a certain amount of food in your home for a certain amount of time. Like, you can't have two years' worth of food. Um, it's not in every state, but some states are pushing that. I'm probably sure it was New York to be one of them because we're like the most craziest state <laughs> around. But, um, but oh my God, and they, they don't even allow you to do that. There was a guy that I read that got sued because he was collecting his own water off of his own stream that came off of a mountain and they considered it theft of water because it wasn't originating on his land. It started somewhere else. That's crazy. Right? Isn't that un unbelievable? But anyway, so today, I mean, hey, that leads to, isn't that a cool segue? I know you probably, I don't even know if you think it is, but we said we talk about traditional martial arts today. And, um, yeah, this is my pet peeve, dude. I really have some issues with, uh, and I, and I posted this just recently on a century, on a century post on the century, um, martial arts website. And I said, who considers themselves a traditional martial art? And, um, you know, most, there were some people, I mean, this goes to show you the differences of people's opinions because the rhetoric that goes on in this world now, 21st century, some people like, there's no such thing as tradition. Or I teach tradition and then, you know, I went in and it's probably got like 250 comments on it where some people got nasty. Some, some guys said, oh, thanks for reprimanding me and telling me as a senior martial artist what tradition is. And I was just trying to drag out what people think tradition is in the martial arts and to try to see who believes that they're still teaching this classical traditional martial arts style. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's funny because it, the, the two opposite ends of the spectrum, I think, get uh, so angry with each other, meaning, you know, somebody that is just only traditional and that's the only way. And then the, the other person that's so far uh, on the other end where they're um, no traditional anything, you know, those are the two that I think get pissed off the most with each other, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, but so why do you think that is, though? Like, why do you think that people will hold well, that either either side of the spectrum so dear to their heart? And, and you know, we could probably slip off into politics, too, um, but – but and not the politics of martial arts, but really the politics of our governments. But at the same time, I think there's the same 
um, similarities yeah, when people they take it so dear to heart. But what I'm what I'm saying is like, look, I, I consider myself a traditionalist. And when I was on that forum, the only person that kind of got what I was saying, well, not the only person, I shouldn't say that, but one of the people who kind of stood by my side and had some comments was Stephen Hayes, who's a ninja master who has lived in Japan, speaks Japanese fluently, was the bodyguard for the Dalai Lama, and and I, I think he kind of got where I was coming from. Like for example. For me, like what classifies tradition? And yeah, if, if we've been doing the same thing for 15 years, that's our tradition. I get that, right? You know, um, I have a buddy who is uh, considered a traditional martial artist, but he's really comes from an eclectic style of a mixture of styles that he put together, but it came from traditional roots. So he calls himself a traditional martial artist. But I, I think I'm more more understanding and, and want to teach the old ways, right? The ways they were. Um, the way it was taught, you know, 2,000 years ago and, and the, the history and the culture and that came with it. And what I mean by that is really like how do we um, – I don't know. Let's just use pizza, for example. I don't know when the first pizza was made, right? But, um, you know, technically a pizza traditionally has sauce and cheese on it. Sometimes they throw on toppings. But when you start throwing in pineapple and, you know, then they make a dessert pizza where it's just the dough with, with uh, a sundae and ice cream. And that's not technically a traditional pizza, right? So it's like as clear as day that one is a traditional pizza and one isn't, but people would probably debate saying, well, that's just an offshoot of a traditional pizza. So do you, what, what are your thoughts? Like what is, what type of school do you consider yourself? Are you a traditional school or? Um, I guess I would be classified as that to a certain degree, but I don't. I'm not a traditionalist. Uh, I believe in uh, the, the the traditional style, um, but I also believe, depending on the style that you're in, I also think that there's some other styles that you can learn from. So, right. You know, obviously, the traditional style of, uh, for me, Tung Sudo, you know, does have holes. It it, uh-huh. it doesn't. It does not do anything for the ground. It just doesn't. And right. the traditional ways of defending against a knife and those type of things aren't what I want. Uh, without trying to say that they're bad, uh, they 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 aren't what I want to teach. And so I've gone out to other arts to fill those gaps. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. So I'm more of a mutt. Even though I should should say I'm I have more of an eclectic program, uh, you know I just kind of jokingly call it a mud. You know what I'm I'm trying to think about what you're saying because I know that that is classically the debate, right? So like one guy on this forum wrote, I no longer use muskets, I shoot with an automatic rifle, right? Like you know meaning like you know we're back back in the 1700s we had muskets, why would we still do that now? And I think tradition is less likely to be understood as tradition when it comes to physical practicality of techniques because, listen, martial arts has always evolved, right? You know, each – people don't know things about their arts, I think, that they should. Like, for example, like why do kung fu practitioners wear shoes or why, um, why do karate guys go barefoot? Why are uh, ninjutsu people wearing a tabby split-toe shoe? Like, what are these things? Like, why? Like, why do we cross our gi left over right, you know, not right over left traditionally? Um, and, and, yeah, we could just say those things mean nothing. They're, you know, they're valueless, you know, because in the modern times – 
cares how you cross your – but I'm a stickler. I love – I really, really, truly love, like, the essence of things. Like, I love to know, like, sayings. Like, for example, like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater or, like, you know, things like that. And you go, like, where did that come from, that saying? Like, how did that originate? And I'll look it up and read all these different things because I just love to know – like why that was said that way. Or remember our story we talked about with the ham and why mom and dad or the yeah. grandparents cooked up, cut the ends of the ham off. We could we could talk about that later. But it's like why did why the, those things happen? Is it a tradition? Was it a useless tradition? Um, but I think that a lot of the stuff in the martial arts these days is really really being lost, and and not for any other reason that not many people know why these things happen. Not pe- many people had a teacher that was a source for that. Like, in other words, they, their teacher learned in the military, was over in Japan for maybe a year or Korea for a year, came back to the United States and, you know, learned from other various American-based martial artists so that they didn't have that classical upbringing from a person who lived it, the culture. They didn't engulf themselves in living in Japan. Like, I've been to Japan 17 times. If I was to say I lived in Japan, if I totaled all my time to Japan, it'd be about three and a half years that I spent over in, in Japan. With my teacher, living with him every day, a Japanese person whose family were samurai, right? Who he was of ninja lineage, you know, that kind of thing. So, like, I did get, I asked those questions, like, why, you know, like, you know, do you know when people roll their chopsticks and they take them and they go like this and they, and you say, do you ever see that when people take the chopsticks and roll them? And like before they eat, some people, I asked them why they roll their chopsticks and they say, oh, I'm getting the splinters off, you know, I go like, um, are you telling me my earphone is off or you're scratching your ear? No, 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 no. I was itching, sorry. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> my ear, I use an, I'm using a hardwired earphone now. Um, so I asked my teacher and, and he said to me, well, that originated in the, in the 40s and 50s when the Japanese used to watch American black and white movies and they used to take their knife and fork and clank them together before they ate. So they said the Japanese started to do that, where they'd rub their chopsticks together before they ate. And then somehow it got to the point like, oh, this is a Japanese tradition. It actually originated in the United States because the Japanese watched the American movies and they thought it was a cool thing to do, when in reality it didn't have anything to do with rubbing the sawdust or the splinters off your chopsticks, right? So I wonder why we're losing, like why we're not interested in finding the reasoning behind why we do certain things and why we bow a certain way and why we treat our sensei a certain way, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, well, I mean, consider where we live today now. Uh, that's that's not even relatively important. Uh, yeah. Right. And 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 nor is it nor is it even not not just uh, uh, important, but it's not even taught. So, right. you know, I'd like to say that the majority of people are learning please and, th- please and thank you and you're welcome, but I don't even know if that's the case anymore. I, I, I probably sound really super cynical, but, um, you know, without even those niceties and, and having those structure, you know, there, you, there's, no, there's not many people, I was going to say no one, but there's not many people that are looking to ask, answer those questions, why? Why do we do this and why do we do that and why is this important? You know, I just yeah, and and it's a lot easier just to teach um, uh, how to beat somebody up, really, than it is how to actually build someone up. Yeah, and and here here's another comment. Some comments that were on that forum. They're like, you know, we and I say, and they said, yeah, we're a traditional school. I said, can you tell me what you're a traditional school? Um, what that means to you? And they said, oh, we teach honor and ethics and morality and yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And while that is important, and that could be done modern or, you know, it comes from a tradition just like you, 
Um, I think that that's a lost thing. And by the way, I'd like to add that if you can get the point across that that's what we actually do, and this is what we expect from our students, and this is how we teach them, I think there's a certain segment of the population that would die to have their kids act in a respectful manner, right? But yet, there's got to be some sort of follow-up and follow-through. Like, kids come through the door, and I'm like, whoa, 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 last night I'm sitting at the desk because I hurt my back, and I just was watching the desk, and kids would walk through and walk by. I go, hold on, you know, hey, Walton, come back here. Did you bow to Sheon, me, to me, you know, like, or did you just walk by and say, hey, and walk on? I go, how do you do things when you come into our dojo? You bow when you enter. You bow when you see your instructor. And then the mom is a very traditional mom. She actually was brought up in South Carolina, so she's got very southern kind of roots and morals. So she's like, yeah, from now on, you always face Xi'an and you bow to him. And, you know, she liked that mindset. So I think that if we're able to portray our schools as that tradition, that's one thing. People would love that. I mean, certain people would love it. But the majority, I think, would love that for their kids. Others would be like, oh, who does he think he is, you know, kind of attitude. But, yeah, but and I, let me clarify something that I just said. I want to clarify this. I don't want to be taken out of context when I said it's, you know, it's it's easier to teach somebody how to beat somebody up than it is to teach somebody how to build someone up. I don't want anybody to think that I meant that towards uh, um, uh, MMA. That So I, I just want to clarify that because uh, right. there are some MMA schools that are teaching how to build people up while they're teaching how to beat somebody up, you know. And I don't oh, mean yeah. that in a bad way, like beat somebody up, yeah. protect yourself. But, you know. I just want to clarify that because I don't want somebody to take yeah. it out of context. Yeah, and by the way, um, you know, the, uh, one, of my, one of my senior ranks, the guy who helps me run my schools, uh, Renchi Ryan, he's actually a BJJ enthusiast, and he's like a blue belt going for his brown belt in BJJ. been training for like five years separately at a, at a Brazilian jiu-jitsu school, and they have certain ethics and morals. Like, for instance, like when they're sitting out ready to grapple, before they grapple, they'll like touch knuckles and, and do like a handshake. If you don't do that, that's like the biggest sign of disrespect. You know, a person will want to trash you after that. They're like, how dare you right. treat me like that? Like, it's the same thing. So so there is that kind of dwindled down effect of that, that martial integrity. And um, by the way, if you've never read this book or the listeners have never read this book, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. I've read it like 14 times. It's called Living the Martial Way. It's by Forrest E. Morgan. He's an ex-military general. Um, and uh, I'm reading it again right now because I've been talking a lot about it lately. And he categorizes um, martial arts as being a martial artist or living the martial arts. Or the third category is living the martial way, meaning like living with the ethics that you practice in your style, living with the mindset of being a warrior through and through. It's like, listen, you could be an accountant by day, but you, you live your martial arts even when you do your accounting. You have a certain ethics, you have a certain way, a certain way of approaching life, and it's all through the martial way. It's when your mind has been transformed into a martial artist. You're not just doing the martial arts, you actually live the martial arts. And um, the book is outstanding. It talks about point sparring, it talks about different variations of the Budo arts, and talks about why he believes that certain arts are sport and why they became sport, and so on and so forth. So all of these things are really important in his book and his description. So I, I love the book, and I think it's phenomenal, and I recommend it to everybody. Um, but that's the question. Like, I'll give you an example. I don't. Do you know why people fold their gi left over right? Uh, or, I, or, or, or from right, what I right remember, 
Well, I think you you get buried in right over left, didn't it? And you're 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 alive in left over right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, I think you and I have had this discussion before. So a lot of people, like I saw one of my good friends has a forum, and I saw he had pictures from his school, and and I asked him, is is your D right over left, or is it left over right? You know, and he said, oh, it's right over left. And I said, do you have a reason why you do that? And he said, no. Why should I? And I said, well, do you know why they fold the ghee left over right and right over left? And he, he said, no. And then he went and researched and he came back with all the research that he found. And he said, I'm immediately changing my uniform. Everyone's going left over right. But we've been doing, he's been running a school passed down from his parents um, for like 35 years. And um, nothing, nothing was ever said to him. Because at right. one point, maybe someone came out and just folded the ghee that way and that became their tradition. But in reality, though, the Japanese are very crazy because they, they're not crazy in that way, but they're crazy about this because it's very much a um, stigma. So like when you're wearing your kimono and you're alive, you wear it left over right. When they put you in your grave, when you pass on into the into the spirit world, they move the gi right over left. It's a sign of passing on into the spirit world. So if I came with my gi like that, my teacher would immediately say, fix that key, switch that immediately. That's a bad omen. It's, it's, you know, you know, you don't want to do that. You know, he would freak out. Right well, um, I'll have so, to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, but, but some people, Americans or maybe other cultures would say like, who cares about stupid stuff like that? But to me, like, why not keep it the same and teach the tradition and the reason why? Because the Japanese culture did it that way. Because if you end up going to Japan, going to China, and you do your bows and say your words, and you sound like a fool because you never learn them correctly, you know, um, it's a big waste of your time. You're literally learning false information. And that's the part of the tradition that, that I want to talk about. Okay, I'll tell you one quick story. When I was younger and I trained with Xi'an Pasquez, um, there was this guy who was like this headmaster in New York and he was a mafia guy, you know, so like he literally I, I, I was very lucky to be able to be in the changing room with him when my teacher was there because my teacher and him were friends and, and he trusted my teacher so that we would be able to be in the room. If not, it was his four bodyguards who were armed to death with guns and he would literally go like this and put his arms out and they would undress him and dress him and he'd step into his belt and tie the knot like literally that's how he hit the mafia type guy he was right. So whenever he judged me in a tournament, I would say to him, you know, arigato gozaimasu, and he would go to me, shashimash, shashimash, like that. And and I knew he was trying to say doitashimaste, but he never had been taught the real word. So he was just mumbling Japanese. And, you know, imagine him doing that in Japan. They would think that he had some mental illness or something was wrong with him, right? But it's just like when people say to me they're going to get their ukis, and I say it's an uke. You know, if you learn how to pronounce a Japanese language, it's uke, not uki. You know, so it depends on how we translate. But then that gets passed on to the next student, to the next student. All of a sudden, right. the word means nothing. It's like it's like mumbling an English word that has no context, you know. So I, I wonder, like, how many school owners really care about the traditions of how they bow and why they bow and how they treat their sensei and all of these things and, and the history behind the words that they use in class and, and, and the, where the art originated and the classical movements and why they developed them and, and so on and so forth. There's nothing wrong with doing what we call henka. Henka is a variation in, in Japanese where you do something that's an updated version, how, you know, how to disarm a gun rather than a musket, rather than a sword, rather than a club, you know. Um, but that right. doesn't take you, take you away from being traditional. Does does that make sense? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it, it does because it has to it has to evolve. Um, you know, when when you move from musket to 
machine gun. Yeah, that, right. How you defend against those? That has to evolve. I get that. Um, I, I I will say that there is a um, there's a part about the traditional and the traditional side that that I I I still crave. I still right. miss uh, yeah. to a certain degree. You know, when when my instructor comes into town, you know, I'm I'm there for every need that is needed. Um, you know what I mean? I I pay yeah. for his hotel, I buy his meals, uh, you know, just all of that. Um, well, without well, that being and without that being passed down, you know, and 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 that's partly my problem is that I don't. I feel, um, and maybe you'll scold me on this, I feel not humble when I have to, like if I were to have to say, hey, look, guys, I shouldn't be doing this. I'm your instructor. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. Right. You should be greeting me this way. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I don't get. I don't let kids get away with, with, with stuff. I don't let students get away with stuff. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, to say, look, you've you got to bow down to me every time you see me. Uh, I just, I have a hard time with that. You know, even my title, I have a hard time with just because I, you know, when I was master Brummett, uh, just because of, you know, the fact that I ran a Christian martial arts, there's a lot of Christians that have a problem with that. I even had a conversation with one, uh, I would say about two or three months ago. And he said, you know, I do it out of respect because I know your personality. I'll call you that. But he goes, I even have a hard time doing that. And I said, just call me Mr. Brummett then. I said, I have no problem with that. Well, Here's I don't the have thing to tell though. me Dwayne, but yeah, but here's the thing, and, and I get it, right? So humility, this is our downfall, right? Because we we're in a position where, if we're so humble and we have humility, um, we end up being afraid to ask of our students to act and do certain things because we don't want to look like we're demanding. Like I have a hard time talking about, hey, you should treat your shihan this way, and I have to kind of, I always find myself classifying. Go listen. It's not about me. I don't, it's not like I, you know, I'm upset because you guys don't do X, Y, and Z with me. But in reality, it, it is. I, I am, you know, I am upset because they should know this. And who else is going to teach it if I have other than myself and my instructors, right? So, right. Um, you know, and the only thing is that if you don't teach it, then it's lost, right? So, for example, like, um, of course, they they should do the things for you, right? That's what your students do. And, and let's just totally take it out of a martial context. Um, back in the traditional family, um, when you'd sit at a table during the holidays, the eldest or the grandparent or the great-grandparent would be at the center and the head of the table, right? He would then say, call Grace. Dwayne, you say Grace, or, you know, let's do a prayer, or let's eat. You know, if they weren't a religious family, he would say, everyone eat. Um, the youngest kid wouldn't just grab the roll and start stuffing his face because mom would slap him on the hand and say, wait for great-grandpa, <laughs> right? You know, ha- and they would say the word, have some respect, Right. So nowadays, it's not being taught. It's not taught in schools because the minute you teach anything that's philosophical or spiritual, people shut it down and they, they say, right. you can't do that to me. You can't make me say the Pledge of Allegiance. You can't make me say a prayer. You can't make me say in God we trust. They don't want – no one is allowed to say anything because it's a free world. Um, however, though, how are you going to learn – or teach respect to certain children, respect of the flag, respect of the country, respect of the martial arts school, respect of the parent, respect of the martial art teacher. You can't if you're not teaching it. So, I mean, I want to just say, listen, when you come in my dojo, so that's why in our curriculum we teach them properly how to bow, 
how to say hello, how, where to bow, what to say to your sensei, et cetera, et cetera, right? It's taught as protocol within my school. And if they don't do it, it's brought out and said, listen, I, I appreciate you not doing that because now I get to teach this lesson. Right. And I'm able to show it. But it's important for them to understand that. Like you, there's a few things like you never pat. You should never put your hands on your sensei. Uh, that's why the Japanese bow. So you shouldn't be like, hey, and I'm seeing your picture on my monitor. So I'm doing it to your shoulder right now. Like, hey, Dwayne, you know, like, yeah, you know, like, um, you know, hey, buddy, like you just don't do that with your teacher. It was considered offensive. It's just like you don't walk up to grandpa and go, hey, buddy, and tap him on. He's your grandfather. Right. You know, you don't do that to a police officer. You don't walk up and go, hey, buddy, the minute they put your hand, a hand on a cop, you could be arrested, right? You could, and in New York, you can throw water on them. You could do anything you want in New York. You could spit on them in New York. Cops are supposed to stand down if you walked up and spit in their face. They're supposed to wipe it off and walk the other way. My dad, back when he was a cop, that would have been a phone book and a billy club beaten in the back of your police car, right? And they would never do that again. But now it'd be, you know, everybody would be up in arms, right? So anyway, um, by the well, way, that's why say, I think you know. Go ahead. Not to say my dad ever did that, but but I'm just saying. No, that no, no. But in the era, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, that's where uh, we did a call. What was the call called? Uh, we did a podcast, something like "We're the last line of defense." Right. You right. Know, martial arts is the last line of defense, and and we're mm-hmm. the ones that are are the only establishment left, besides some families. And and the military that actually teach discipline and respect and those types right. of things. You know, yeah. this was uh, probably a year ago, but I, I I walked in the class to fill up fill fill in for one of the instructors that was gone, and I forget what this kid said to me. This kid said something, and uh, I just turned. I looked at him. I go, look, this is not Disney Channel. And right. I don't know how you talk at home, but you're not talking that way here. Yes, sir. Yeah. Right. Yes, sir. Like you know, because uh. It's funny that on Disney Channel, the dads are the butt of the joke, or even on, right. you know, Bart Simpson, his dad's the butt of the joke. You know what I right, mean? Right. So they see all yeah. that stuff, and then they start to parody that. And, and it's funny on TV, so then, okay, let's apply it to real yeah. life. Well, it's not so funny in real life. You know what I mean? Yeah. That type of thing. I, I think that parents are so afraid of losing their kids, not like losing them physically, but mentally losing them, that they try to be their buddies and their pals and their friends because they fear that discipline will create division or create separation. When in reality, I could tell you this, the students that I was the hardest on, I mean, physically, I mean, almost to the point of abusive nowadays where like if a kid who's 15, I'd be boxing them and beating the crap out of them. They'd go home black and blue and the parents would call me and say, thank you. Um, Nowadays I have parents, the other day I had a parent text me and great outcome, but it was like my son got hit in the stomach um, and I, I really want to know why the girl hit, hit him so hard and and hurt him. And I said, "Did he? Is he hurt now, or was he hurt then?" She says, "Oh no, he was hurt then." By the way, the dad is a cop, and the dad said to the wife, "Let him suck it up, right? He's got to learn how to be tough, right?" And the wife was like, "It's her little baby, right? She wants to protect him. I get that, but right. um, how do you teach someone to be tough unless they've never felt it, done it, been there, right?" So, so well, and we got to teach the parents. We got to teach the parents how to uh, be tough before we can uh, be tough on yeah. the kids. I mean, think about think about the uh, the interview that we did with the two moms that I had at my you know that yeah, I had yeah. at my school. Right. You know, the one was talking about man, you know, uh, I'm mama bear, and my kid comes running out, and or you know right. after the the class or whatever, he got punched, and she's you know 
she hears yeah. me say to him, because he said to me, well, I got punched in the eye or whatever it was. I said, well, next time you'll block it. Right. And she, she at first was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he said that to my kid. You know, he, he right. needs to comfort him. And, and then she actually took into account who I am, what she's seen in the past, you know, year that they've been yeah. there, and had to actually calculate all that and go, okay, what does that really equal? Is yeah. he really being a jerk to my kid, or does this really equal something? You know, yeah. which is nice that she took that all into consideration. But, well, well, that you know, not you everybody know, does. Yeah, but back in the day, it would have been like, you know, that's what you go through, right? Like, that's why they put – like, I'd have parents years ago. And now I'm dating myself because I've been open for 30 years almost, right? So, I mean, back in the day, 1991 through 96, 97, my group of people, the parents would drop them off and say, kick the crap out of him. He was bad at home, right? Now it's like, um, you know, he was really not listening to mom and dad. Can you have a talk with him? But don't bring it up and, you know, make it – do it as a – group talk like everything is about you know pitter-pattering and you know tiptoeing through these these minefields of what they think is bad and I, I personally believe that most of the kids that are out there that are so mentally affected by little things it's because they've been coddled their whole lives I think the bully proofing um, environment is like people are, poor kids are killing themselves because they've been called names and made fun of and made to feel bad well I felt bad my whole life I had long hair I was in a band I, I went through life defending myself because I was different than the jocks in my school, which was a big football school. But I ended up fighting my way through high school. I, I was worried every day when I went to school that I was going to get in a fight. But I never in my wildest dream thought that I should kill myself or kill others or anything. It was just part of my martial arts. My teacher would say, stick up for yourself. Fight your way out of it. You know, so I did. I fought all the time. Not the greatest outcome, but at the same time, I didn't consider killing myself or others. We would just beat each other up on the playground, right? So I, I think that with that being said, without getting too far off track, I think that traditional martial arts has the value system that a traditional 1940s family would have, right? Or, um, you know, or uh, a 1950s family, you know, like where there was that respect. Like when I, I, I had, let's say your kid was sitting next to you and I said, hey, Dwayne, um, hey, to your son, would you like a lollipop? And Back then, the kid would look back up at you and go, can I have a lollipop? But years ago, the parents would say, hey, Dwayne, can I give your son a lollipop? And if you said no, they wouldn't offer it. Nowadays, it's backwards, right? right and, um, right. you know, so, so I would never take anything until I looked to my mom first. If she said yes, I said yes, right, if I wanted it. But I never would go, yeah, and take it. Kids just do what they want when they want. And there's that, that disconnect right now with um, – you know, morals and values and, and discipline. And, and it has partially to do with the parents because they're afraid that if they're too hard on their kids, um, that it's going to ruin them somehow. Like, did I tell you I have five people that are up for black belt tests? They have to go into what we call our six-month success cycle. Out of the five, three accepted with open arms, overjoyed, two of them quit because they didn't want to take on the task or they have to commit for two more years because it's a big process. And the parents are like, yeah, they just don't want to do it anymore. Like, what parent would let their kid, after seven years, six, eight years, quit their goal just like that? Like, wouldn't a parent in the old days just say, you're doing it, man. I don't give a crud what you think. Suck it up, and at least you could say you got your black belt, right? You're going to – I'm going to well, make you go, right? There was a – yeah, I had a kid walk into the office this week on uh, – what's today, Wednesday? So he walked in on Monday, I think it was. Yeah, Monday. And uh, dad walks in with him, and he 
he goes, well, my wife wants me to talk to you about what we need to do because, you know, we're having a hard time getting him here and blah, 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 right. blah, and he doesn't want to do it anymore. And I go, well, I said, uh, once he's here, he's fine. Oh, yeah, once he's here, he's fine. I said, who's having a hard time with him, you or her? He said, she is. I said, do you ever have a hard time? He goes, well, he starts to bring it up. I said, now you're going. Right. I said, okay. All right. So, so to, it sounds to me like your, your wife's having a hard time. Yeah. Right. I said, okay. I said, so I looked at the kid, and I said, well, first off, you're scheduled to test for your black belt in June of next year. I said, this is how many months, you know, blah, blah, blah. I went through some of that. And I said, so based upon that and the years that you've already put in, you're not quitting. I'm not going to allow you to quit. You're going to finish this off. And, like, I'm telling the kid in front of the parent, (laughs) you're not quitting. You're going to continue. And, by the way, we're going to schedule a private lesson for Friday. I'm going to work with you on these things that that you're having trouble with. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Boom. Done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who knows? Who, who knows though? If they go home, like I had that same talk with one of these brown belts that want, you know, they're still training, but they're not. They're expiring in like November, and then they're going to quit after that. So the mom was like, "Yeah, you know, don't talk to him about the black belt test because he feels like he's disappointing you, and he doesn't want to do it, and he doesn't want to feel pressure, or else I won't bring him to class anymore." Like, what do you do in that particular case? You know, it's just like almost to the point where the parents are saying, let all these years you asked me to teach them discipline, self-confidence, self-esteem, focus, you know, blah, 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 blah. Check all the boxes on the sheet. And then they say, don't do any of those things because it's too much pressure. Or don't force them to go to a tournament because they're uncomfortable. It's like a really weird dynamic. So so going back to the traditions of the martial arts, back in the day, they'd be like, my teacher would never say to me, oh, Sensei Vasquez or even Tanimoto Sensei from Japan, they would say, this is what you're doing. Like Sensei from Japan would say to me, oh, you're coming to the Taikai big gathering in Japan. You, he'd point to me, uh, you have many, many students. You bring me 25 minimum students to Japan. Okay, you work on that. Like I would, 25 it is. I would bring 25 students to Japan. No, even if I had to pay for some of them, I would do it because I would never lose face in, in my, with right. my teacher. And he knew, you know, listen, he manipulated that money object a little because he'd say, oh, I trust you will make me happy, right? You know, like, and I'd be like, yes, and say, you know, hi, hi, you know, and it's part of life. But it's really kind of sad, though, that, you know, a lot of this is being lost. And I think, honestly, though, too, from a business point of view, that if we actually taught this and people saw results, we could probably charge a lot more for what we do, right? When someone goes and they fill out an inquiry form at my school and they check off self-esteem, self-confidence, self-discipline, and they go across the board, I would go, wow, you chose all of them. That program is $450. If you only picked two of those, I could have done it for $250, right? Because, like, if you go to, like, Montessori and your kid needs some special training, they might need an extra day a week. They're going to charge you for it. (laughs) If you want to really literally make that kid better, don't they charge a premium? Yet we go, hey, we'll, we'll change your entire kid's life and keep them off the streets and save them from all the bad things and make them tough and strong and mentally capable and we'll do it for 130 bucks a month or 150 bucks a month right isn't that insane like when you think about that that's why colleges charge thirty thousand dollars a year because after they graduate after four years or three or four years um they're going to have a degree that they could go out and start their life well we give them so much more than any college could as far as their their you know lifestyle so it's crazy. But anyway, someone wrote Ken, Ken Swan, who I believe Ken, and just verify this if you can with, uh, you know, uh, with an answer. But you're from Hawaii, I think, right? I believe. So I love how I use that Hawaii accent. I'm listening to The Rock too much. 
Um, so, um, so uh, Ken, he wrote, is addressing the instructors by Miss, Mrs., or Mr., their first name, traditional or not? Example, I'm Mrs. Sensei Ken. Oh, I've been Sensei Ken since 1997, but I achieved a master title. Should I change that? Well, in Japanese martial arts, sensei is one of the highest levels. Once you reach a sensei, that's the highest level of respect. In fact, school teachers in Japan are considered senseis. Your English teacher, your violin teacher, any kind of teacher is a sensei. But it has more martial context normally, right? So the only reason to have a different title, whether it be sensei in my style, Renshi, Kiyoshi, Shihan, um, Jun, Shihan, Soke, in that order, um, uh, oh, he says, yeah, I'm from Buffalo, but I teach Hawaiian art. Okay, I was thinking of somebody else. So <laughs> I know you and I have chatted for quite some time. Buffalo is actually the Hawaii of the United States, you know, or of that area. I'm just <laughs> kidding. But um, so so for your answer, though, like, yeah, if you have other senseis in your dojo, it's good to have the title that you're at. So let's say you're a fourth don and your style calls you a renshi or a kiyoshi because they vary depending on the system. Um uh, you should be called by that title so that you segregate yourself as the master instructor, the head instructor, a higher rank than the other students, right? Because once they say, hey, sensei, and 20 senseis turn around, that's when we start saying sensei Dwayne, sensei Ali, sensei Joe, and Renchi, and then Shihan or Soke or whatever. There's that differentiator with the title. And also the title has a lot more meaning to it than just a name. Like in my system, Renshi means junior master. A Kiyoshi means, in, in Japanese terms, and the kanji, like a wizard. Um, it means that you are uh, more of an uh, expert on what you do. You're able to teach. You're at the level where you can impart philosophy and culture and history. Um, and you have a better education, similar to like that of a master's degree, uh, you know, a professor's degree in college. So there are different different levels and layers to that. So people forgot about that, too. I, when I became a Renshi in my area, a lot of people started using the title Renshi. Coincidence? Maybe. Um, but I think the term was never heard of before. But a lot of people all of a sudden became Renshis, right? And then all of a sudden in the tournament circuit, Renshi this, Renshi that, Renshi this, and so on. So I, I then became a Kiyoshi. All of a sudden, a lot of people started using the Kiyoshi title. Again, it could have just been coincidence. Um, but my student said to me as a joke, we should call you Bobo and um, see if that catches on. Right, you know, and see if anyone changes it, then we know that it's not just coincidence. Everyone's like Bobo Dwayne, Bobo Jim, you know, like because because I was you know testing the waters, right? But um, but yeah, so so this is why I believe in the martial arts. It's so important to understand the culture, understand the history. Understand if your art comes from Buddhism and Shintoism, doesn't matter. You're not teaching the religion, but your art stems from those things, right? Taoism. Um, and uh, you should not extract that out of the art. You should still continue to teach it. And why? Because there are reasons why we bow. There are reasons why we, you know, we, we you know, don't do certain things. Like I, for example, you never would let your teacher, for, for me and my system, let my teacher carry his own bag. Like the minute he went to pick it up, no, 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 Sensei, I got it. And then you'd carry it for him. I, another really weird tradition that most people don't know, and, and I kind of, um, I'm sorry if I'm rambling, but um, I had, uh, my teacher would get up to use the restroom. And I would go and follow him to the restroom. I wouldn't stand with him in the restroom, but I would stand outside the door. Or if there are other people in the restroom with him, I would go in. 
Now, this is a man who's Japanese. He's shorter. He's in, like, the Midwest. Um, he's at a restroom. You know, so I'm there for a multitude of reasons. But then my, the rest of all the senior ranks at the table would, would say to me, that I say to people that I'm a brown nose. Oh, look at Ali. He's going. He's following him to the restroom. He's like such a kiss up, right? And then uh, one time I heard it was being said, and I told Sensei about it. And Sensei, my teacher, told the entire table and said, you know what? Ali's doing the right thing. You may not know this, but you have to be there to protect your Sensei. And he said, what if I'm in the bathroom and some cowboy attacks me? He's there to help. Right. What if um, what if I fall down or what if I get lost or he's there for me as a way because you never let your instructor, your parent, your father, the elderly go. Off, hey, mom, my mom's 84. She can barely walk. OK, go to the bathroom on your own. Like I walk her over to the restroom. Right. So like what's the difference? So then I after that was established and people knew it every time he got up, everyone fought to follow him to the bathroom. Now. <laughs> I was I was no longer a brown nose or, or a kiss up. I was the guy who actually knew about the tradition. And by the way, I learned that from my American teacher. But um, when I asked Sensei if it was a real thing, he said, of course, you should always do that. So I would always do it. Um, so a lot of people don't know. They don't know that if you're at a restaurant, you never eat before your instructor takes his first bite. You wait right, until the right. till this grandparent takes his first bite. You don't, like we said this before. So these are things that our traditional schools would teach. Traditional schools would follow and live and so on. Um, so that's just some of the thoughts. What do, what do you think about that? Well, whatever. Well, yeah. I, yeah, no, no, no. I think it all correlates back to, you know, again, you know, we really are the, uh, the last line of defense as as right. a as a school, you know, and even if you're not a totally traditional school, I really think that there are some there are some traditions right that we should all be teaching, and whether it's you know why we bow, you know there there should be discipline and respect and and those yeah. type of things inside of your inside of your style, and um, if you want to educate a little bit farther than that, I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, right. Even require it. I don't think that's a bad thing either, because, no. you know, uh, what is what's the saying where, you know, the, the individuals that that don't learn their history are destined to repeat it or something like that. And so right, not right. understanding what things are, why they are, uh, I, I, I think is empowering. It's not just, you know, right. It's empowering to know those things. Like like I, I, I had a. um I, we've got a three-year-old that's in our program. He started back, I think, in January for our karate for Christmases, I think, when he started. Well, he is a quarter Japanese. His mom is half Japanese, and her mom is full Japanese. And so right. I, I had not met the mom yet, the full Japanese mom, but her, uh, I was talking with the, the, uh, the mom of the, the three-year-old about, you know, just a little bit of things, and she was telling me, oh, yeah, my, my mom, who's still Japanese, is ecstatic that, you know, he's doing karate, and she's going right. to come and visit. And blah, blah. So when she came in and I, she introduced me, I came to attention. I bowed lower than her. I mean, just all of those things that are in yeah. that culture that I already knew that I was supposed to do. And then, obviously, right. our conversation was beautiful, but then, you know, um, I think a week later, the mom of the three-year-old said to me, you know, man, my mom was really uh, happy and impressed on, you know, just to her interaction with you, that type of thing. Yeah. And and had I not known those things, 
I would not have necessarily tried to be rude, but I could have been rude to her. Yeah. And you know what's interesting? I had a kid. His name was KG, um, Kimura. And um, I haven't seen him in years. He's probably in his late 20s now. And um, his parents, his father was from Japan and owned my favorite sushi restaurant. God rest his soul. He's no longer with us. But um, uh, his dad enrolled him in my school because he wanted him to learn the traditions, right? He didn't have anywhere, no Japanese civic center or place to go where he could learn. So he wanted to learn, in his words, the martial traditions, right? Because he wanted him to learn a warrior lifestyle. He didn't want him to be this kid who was, you know, picked on because he was from a different religion or culture or so on and so forth. So, um, you know, I think that that's important. And Ken Swan wrote, the line between traditional and a good etiquette and chauvinism is very blurred and eroding, in my opinion. Why can't we teach a level of respect or etiquette without being called dogmatic or misogynistic or demeaning uh, demeaning others Um, demeaning others yeah demeaning others where we're in a difficult place so so here's the thing with that if you want to answer that or do you want me to answer it well yeah i i've actually had to change my uh intro process on and and my verbiage inside of that meaning that I tell parents straight up that, you know, we have rules. We follow these rules. If you're not interested in following these rules, you're not going to want to stay here. And here's the rules. So, for instance, you know, we talk about the fact that, and we've talked about this before in other podcasts, that, you know, you've got to wear a uniform. Can't right. come into class. You know, in fact, I had somebody text us this morning. She said, hey, my, my husband, uh, we, we left our son's um, karate pants and belt in, in his car and he's at work, he won't be back in time. Is it still okay for, you know, my son to come into, into class with shorts? And I said, you know, unfortunately not. I said, but we can make, we can have him come tomorrow at this time because we have that same class or we could co- have him come Friday for a private lesson. Here's the link to schedule a private lesson. If you want to do yeah. that, let me know. And uh, she right. went ahead and just got online and scheduled the private lesson. But I, I've actually had to change my, uh, uh, my verbiage, like I've, I've literally had to tell people, these are the rules, we stick to them because they teach these things. There's discipline and respect and consequences for actions. And un- I understand that it may not be your child's fault that they, you know, didn't bring their belt. It might be your fault. That doesn't matter. It's still their responsibility to have their yeah. materials when they're supposed to, whether it's their fault or not. Yeah. And that's the way that we run our school. And if you don't like it, then I'm not the one that's leaving. Now, I don't say it that way, but uh, pretty close do I say it that way. Yeah. And and you know what? I have to say that I'm very similar-ish, but I do give them a little bit of a uh, some leeway. So what I've learned now, too, we have a few loner uniforms, like when they come in unprepared. Well, like here, we have a few sizes. Put this on. Um, but don't let it happen again. So I have that where they're not forced to go home because, look, I appreciate that they came. I appreciate that they're they're there um, uh, because, that you know, divorced parents or the dad had it in his car but they forgot. And, you know, all the things that you mentioned are legitimate reasons. Um, so sure. I might say, okay, we're going to loan them a uniform, and we loan it to them. We say don't ever let it happen again. Maybe buy a second uniform. Have one in each of your cars, right? You know, try to upsell them on a second uniform. But um, but I get it, and and that's why sometimes people they don't like they they don't understand that where 
we're there to teach them discipline, yet they don't want for us to teach them discipline because they're bringing them late. They're bringing them unprepared. I'll give you an I had a dad last night that I really – it just annoys me so much, like where the, the dad is like, um, my kid doesn't want to come to class if, he's, if there's only one or two kids in class. And now this summer, sometimes, you know, you have 12 in a class, 15 in a yeah. class, and sometimes there are two. I don't know what the dynamic is. Um, I've never seen it happen before, but in my dojo there, a kid, one kid out of 22 could show up. Um, on, on certain days. So the parents like, well, I just take them home at that point. And I'm like, why don't you just let them stay? We have people that pay for private lessons, $85 an hour. Your kid, your kid's getting a private lesson. Why would you allow your eight year old to tell you what you're doing? Like, and the dad's like, well, you know, you, you know, kids, you know, you got to let them. And I'm like, no. And then, then he got, he said something which really pissed me off. He says, well, it's pretty obvious that the school's going out of business because, um, you know, because there's only one person in class. And I said, I have to tell you, this is very, very, very disrespectful for you to say that. And just because there's one kid in class, your kid doesn't mean that the last class didn't have 20. So I'm like, I'm surprised that you would even say that, but it really, so when I saw him, I wanted to just give him a punch in the nose, right? But, you know, I'm like, hey, sir, how's it going? And like, and I said to him in a little, little bit of a sarcastic comment, well, it's good class tonight, right? There was nine kids in class. Pretty good for going out of business, right? You know, like that kind of, just a little sarcasm to give him a point. And he kind of walked out and did his own thing. Like people like that, I almost don't want around. Um, but at the same time, this is what I mean, like this kind of mental, this capacity to to not understand what we're doing. Like you would never, my teacher, Shion Vasquez, who's been on our calls many times, would have said, you get the hell out and kick them right out of the dojo. That's it. Don't come back and, and never, never, never let me see you again. You know, like that kind of thing. Right. And that would be it. You talked the wrong way. If he took it the wrong way and you didn't mean it the wrong way, you were shaken because it was like the soup Nazi on Seinfeld, right? No soup for you. He'd be like, you're done. You're out. He literally would take my belt away for no reason whatsoever. I'd walk in. He'd say, give me your belt and leave it on my desk and go home. I didn't do anything wrong. I'd come back the next day. The next day, I did one time. It took me eight days of coming back consecutively before he gave me my belt back. And I said, Shannon, could I ask you why you took it away? He says, I just wanted to see if you would come back. Now you're a true student, he said. I'm like, okay, you could have just asked me. I've never, <laughs> but you know, like, I mean, like I never showed you any reason to do that, but he was putting me through that old school test. Right. right. Like you could have just beat asked me, me down, beat me down, <laughs> beat me down to see if I would quit, you know, put me in an uncomfortable position to see if I would quit, you know, yell at me a little and see if I would quit. Like there's certain lessons that are learned getting through and going through those obstacles yet. Oh my God. If, if there's a sign of struggle in any way, shape, or form, the kid didn't get his stripe, he didn't get his belt, he didn't get a high five, you know, parents are willing to move out and go somewhere else. It just blows me away. Amazing. You, Amazing to me. I know we got to end real quick here, but I, I wanted to throw this out. You uh, uh, brought this, like it came to my mind, but I had this second degree, this girl is second degree, and she was on my storm team before they moved away, which is, you know, the, the, the kids that are learning how to teach that type of thing. Yeah. Well, I, one of the lessons in our Storm Team class was I asked them, you know, what, what, what have you learned from your training? And I and, and I looked at her and I said, you know, hey Lindsay, what 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 is you know your training taught you uh, that you can think about, you know, like you can share? And she goes, she goes, I, I know how to handle jerks. Oh yeah, you go. I go. I go. What? She goes. I know how to handle jerks now. I said, well, why? Why do you say that? She goes, well. If I can handle you yelling at me, 
then I can handle pretty much anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she meant it as a sincere compliment, you know. Right, exactly. Like, <laughs> it just didn't come out that way, right? That's funny. Kids are but, amazing. Yeah, I, I was doing a I was doing push ups next to the kids the other day a few weeks ago and the kid goes, Oh, she's really close to me. Her name is Serafina, cutest thing ever. Your hair is really gray on the side and I said, Oh, you like it? She goes, Oh, not at all. You should dye it. Like and I'm like my daughter and I just laughed hysterical. Like it's crazy. I'm giving out pictures. I know this sounds like a little disingenuous, but I had I was on the cover of uh the martial art magazine and they had a really cool picture. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And um Toby, who is the head of the magazine, was just on here with us in the beginning. But um, so I had this picture. So I made a bunch of photocopies and I taught a seminar. I gave like 60 of them out to kids at this seminar that weren't my students. Right. So I had some left over and I had them on the desk and I signed them. And I'm asking the kids, hey, listen, I have this picture. Do you want one? Maybe put it in your scrapbook, put it up on the wall. And many kids will be like, nah, I'm good. And they just walk out. And I go like, you know, in the Bible that what they say about Jesus, like he had to go to a different town. Um, to be famous, yeah. like a different yeah, place. Like, in his own town. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like I'm a rock star outside teaching other students. In my dojo, it's just like Shihan. Like, you, I don't even want his photo. It's, it's a different era where years ago, oh, my God, you know, the parents taught their kids to revere the sensei. Now the parents don't revere the sensei. They barely respect the sensei. They just look at them as mm-hmm. a vessel to to serve the product that they just purchased. I know this is kind of sounding harsh, right? But so they pay us whatever they pay us. So they feel like their duty is done. They've paid for the service. Now it's our duty to give them the service and they consider it a service, a product. And then that product is now our, our obligation. But they don't realize like, oh my God, you're dealing with a guy like me. I got 50, 51 years experience in the martial arts, had my school for almost 30 years. You, um, you know, for as long as you have. Um, so, but, but we're like experts in our field. You, you and I would be the, the surgeon that's the top of their craft, let's say. And people would be respectful of that, getting that surgeon to take on your case, right? To, to handle your, yeah. your whatever. Um, there'd be a level of respect and they would revere those instructors. Nowadays, the teachers are not looked at like that way. We're looked at as like a commodity, uh, as, as a purchase service. But we have to change that. And the only way to change that is to educate people. And when you educate them, there are going to be some that reject it. And that's okay. They don't have to all look at it. But the majority of the people, if they get it, they will have a much more fruitful, deeper experience for the martial arts. Like I, One last thing, Dwayne. I'm sorry I'm rambling. But I had um, – there's a forum by me called Facebook Moms, right, And just or Facebook uh, people of West Islip of my town. And I, I found myself tagged in a post, and the post said, who is the teacher that was the most impactful in your life? It was asking all the people from our town to write Mrs. Smith from seventh grade English and this and that. And, and one person wrote, Shian Ali Alberigo, and um, he taught me and then went on to teach all the, about this stuff and put me in that category with people who changed their lives. So one person out of how many that probably saw that thought of me that way but that's why we have to be who we have to be. We're, we're the last, we are that last hope, that last holdout, that last the temple where everyone can go to. And classically, what I've just talked about just now in this list, last ending of the conversation, that reverence and all of that has a lot to do with tradition. And um, 
and it has a lot to do with the history. So don't throw out your history. Don't throw out your culture. Don't not teach your, you know, your um, past of what you did and the style and the bows and the reasons and the essence and the value behind it all. Because I can tell you this, it truly makes you a stronger warrior in the long run. It makes you a better fighter. It makes you a better self-defense practitioner. And it makes you a stronger mind, mind stronger um, so that you could survive through anything. And that that's just my closing thought. Nope, I, I totally agree. We are the last line of defense. And uh, if we want these students to possess the same qualities, um, we, we it's our duty to teach them these things. Yeah, yeah. And we can go on and do more about this at another time, but I think that we pretty much covered a lot of what I was trying to get out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I just wish that – I wish these old traditionalists wouldn't think that they can't survive. In fact, I'm teaching a seminar with Toby Milroy in October called The Think Tank, and it's on this very essence of the traditionalism and why we're, the, we're much more valuable that way than we are just a, you know, a templated kind of, you know, boilerplate-type dojo that does the, everything and it's all the same. I want to be known as the purple cow in, in my – you know, in my industry, right? I want to be known that I'm the only ninja that really teaches what I do in the area, right? That real ninja, not ninja, you know, as a, as a word, but in essence, right? So anyway, th- I, I appreciate it. And you want to close it out for us? Yeah, I just want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to our podcast by going to schoolownertalk.com. Uh, there's information there. Uh, or you can look at us, look us up on, uh, you know, Google Play or, or iTunes or what have you, Spotify. You can, you can look uh, schoolintertalk.com uh, up on that as well. But uh, you can register for that and uh, just get it right sent to your phone if you're not here with us live. Yeah, awesome. Dwayne, I appreciate you, and thank you so much. And I hope everyone had a good call and they enjoyed it. We had a lot of people on today and uh, excited to share. So thanks for being a part of that and letting me share with you and be on here with you as well. You bet. Have a good day, sir. All right, dude, have a great day. Thank you. Bye, everybody.